It's the WP Minute Plus, your home for long-form discussions with WordPress professionals and industry experts covering our favorite topic, WordPress. Be sure to follow us. Search for WP Minute in your favorite podcast app. Follow this podcast and our five-minute weekly edition. Or head to the wpminute.com slash subscribe and join the newsletter. I'm told it's like a warm WordPress blanket that gets delivered to your doorstep every week. Looking for all things WordPress? The WP Minute has you covered. This episode of the WP Minute Plus is brought to you by our friends at OmniSend, the top-rated email and SMS marketing platform for WordPress stores. With OmniSend, you'll be launching pre-built e-commerce automations in no time, as well as intuitively segmenting customers based on their shopping behavior and even trying out SMS or push notifications all from the same platform. More than 100,000 e-commerce brands use OmniSend to drive sales and build better customer relationships, converting their customers with quick-to-create, highly relevant emails and texts. Are you ready to start building campaigns that really sell and convert your customers? Find out more at Omnisend.com. That's Omnisend.com. O-M-N-I-S-E-N-D.com. Omnisend.com. And give your brand the boost it deserves. Hey, Brett. Welcome to the program. Hey, Matt. How's it going? It's going well. Thanks for joining today. Bluehost, fantastic sponsor of the WP Minute. You, coincidentally, work for Bluehost. So we're happy to have you here. I just have to get that away for get that out of the way for the SEC so I don't get in trouble. <laughs> I mean, uh, honesty, you, it kind of matters, so I'm on board. Yeah. <laughs> but what we've been doing with all of our Bluehost conversations is sort of just finding out, hey, who's who's touching things in for WordPress behind the scenes at Bluehost? Bluehost always has a fantastic presence at WordCamps, so you get to see a lot of face-to-face if you go to WordCamps. They, Bluehost just became another global sponsor uh, of WordCamps to help uh, continue that cause as well. But hopefully we can find you know other folks behind the Bluehost label that maybe you don't see out at WordCamps, which actually is probably a, a good question. Brent, were you at WordCamp US? I haven't been in a few years, right? Pre-COVID, I had been to a, a few, particularly the US ones. But since then, I've moved more into the darker system architecture kind of space. And the WordPress more front-end teams have been the face at the at the WordCamps. You've been at Bluehost, well, you've been at Newfold for quite some time, 15 years, eight months, just as almost as long as Mike, who I interviewed, Mike Hansen, who I interviewed in the last Bluehost session. And you've been there for a while. One of your things is I one of your, I'm looking at your LinkedIn. One of your subtitles is IT Innovator. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, <laughs> so it's, a, it's an interesting approach, right? There's, there's been some common views that, that I've tried to challenge as um, we approach sort of the hosting technology un- underlying Bluehost. And one of them is that it's, it's largely been held that a front-end team and a back-end team will intrinsically be in conflict because the front-end person you know, the, a, particularly a support agent is working with one individual customer and that customer is everything during that phone call. Whereas the backend team is working on a problem that affects a thousand or 10,000 or a million different WordPress installs and thus, you know, potentially, you know, hundreds of thousands of customers. 
And so there's a there's there's always been this belief that I've seen permeate not just at Bluehost but various other organizations that you know they will always be in conflict and it's a healthy conflict and it's natural for them to be sort of pushing and pulling against each other. And I've tried to be approaching, you know, in in the the technology space, particularly over the back end teams, approaching it more as, well, hold on, those front end teams, those individuals, right, are telling us what they need. They might not be the 300,000 customers that you happen to be working on, but they are the ones who need us today. And that can very much inform our roadmap for how we approach the 300,000 later. And if we're listening to the individual, then suddenly we have the opportunity to shift our entire approach to be able to, to better focus on helping individual needs. So I, I think that that's you know, one example that sort of applies. You pulled something out of my memory years ago. I was, I too was an IT director at an ISP, an internet service provider back in the day when we did T1 lines, ISDN lines, <laughs> dial up. And I remember managing at the time, anyway, a Windows NT server with IIS web server on it for the websites we used to host. This is Eons ago, right? And I remember the support hey, those team. Those servers still exist. I don't have any. Oh, but yeah. they exist. <laughs> I remember the support team just asking me, hey, you know, this problematic customer keeps calling up. He's got this catalog. I remember this vividly because there was an author at the time who had his books. I mean, this is way ahead of his time. I'm not talking like back in early 2000s. Had his books cataloged on his website, and he would always call up, hey, my website's down. My website's running slow. And I remember the support team being like, can you just allocate more memory to him, to just his thing on IIS? I'm like, I can't do that because we have all these other hosts, all these other customers on this server. Sure. And that was laughable back then. We're talking maybe 100, 100 customers on this one server back then. Today's landscape is just vastly different. And with WordPress into the mix... Man, you have so many needs on the customer and sort of the, that front end, like you said, and the back end that you have to manage. Is there something about WordPress that makes your life, let's say, interesting on the back end? Like, because WordPress does this, you have to do that on the back end. Is there any story like that that you have? Well, so bearing in mind, right, like WordPress is, is probably the most all things to all people application out there, right? It can be everything. And I think that that's, that's sort of the interesting challenge. You know, if you look at a lot of our competitors who use something proprietary, they get to hyper-focus on exactly the, the thing that their software does. And if they choose to add a feature, then, you know, they have months potentially to, to be able to work on that feature. In contrast, right, we don't control the customer's website. The customer controls their own website. They're using WordPress. They get to be able to do anything that they want. There's a variety of plugins that they can use. There's a variety of themes that they can use. And that creates this sort of more complex landscape for, for what we look at versus what you might find with, I can't say the word traditional, but what you might find with more of a, a DevOps style team, which is you know hyper-focused on being able to, to optimize specific use cases. So I, th I think that's the first thing. But, but the second thing I think I would add is a particular challenge for us and really the WordPress community and, you know, even our conversations with the, the WordPress core development team is the plugin authors come and go and they have a tendency to not all of them, right? The most popular plugins are updated regularly, but a lot of them are behind. And so, you know, as we're trying to, to get customers onto 
modern secure versions of PHP and trying to get out of, you know, extended end of life type um, support, it, it can be a struggle to make sure that we don't break a customer's website who happen to be using a plugin that is either outdated or hasn't had an update that supports later versions of this space. I think that's the area we're trying to, to figure out how to solve. And it's, it's not just us, right? It's the whole community is trying to take, you know, what is 20 years of Bluehost WordPress focus and try and figure out how to help customers who built their website in, in a way that leveraged a plugin that is no longer updated or hasn't, you know, received modern support. That kind of space is a huge challenge. And it's one that we're, you know, in conversations with the WordPress core team, we discuss it with, you know, Matt Mullenweg. And then internally, right, I have a meeting at least twice a week trying to figure out how we can help another subset of, of customers who are in this situation. The WordPress space is, is an interesting space because, I mean, I see this on my YouTube comments. I'll do a video, let's say, I'll do a tutorial on the latest uh, WordPress 2024 theme. I'll show somebody how to use the new 2024 theme in WordPress. And, and then I'll just get comments that, you know, WordPress is terrible because they tried to do something on their WordPress site and it didn't work. And then I'll ask like, hey, well, where in, 20, where in the 2024 theme are, were you seeing this problem? Mm -hmm. And then they'll comment like, oh, I'm not even using 2024. It's like this totally other thing. It's like- Yeah, it's not like, related to the video, right? And it's- Yeah, it's not- But it's, it's it is a problem, problem, right? It's That's their, a pro it's big their experience. Right, it's their experience, right. And you bring up, a, again, a good point. Like you have to, it's not just- Hey, WordPress 6.4 and with 6.5, you have to, you know, stay on your toes and learn and, and optimize the infrastructure for. But suddenly it's like some random plugin that a few hundred sites are running and that person no longer exists. They don't update the plugin anymore. Now you have to solve for that. Yeah, and there might um, be a security up a security issue that comes out, right? You'll see, you know, various news stories or a word fence, you know, publication, right? There, there's there's a lot of of this space where there's what is it, 20,000 plus plugins that, you know, make this, this, you know, very complicated. And we have, you know, probably at least a hundred of every one of those 20,000. Right. Do you have a, a particular, I don't know, I don't know what I would label it, but like a system or a channel or a team that just like, just works with big plugins and make sure everything's optimized. Do you have like a hotline for, <laughs> like I know you all, Newfolk owns Yoast, so you have Yoast, one of the largest plugins in the in the space. Sure. But is there like a WooCommerce team, a Gravity Forms team, like all these big plugins, do you have a means to communicate with them or a we system do. on how you approach that? Yeah, so the, so you probably linked to the interview you did with Mike Hansen, but the, the, the teams that he oversees, you know, include WordPress outreach, and he'll commonly, right, his team members will commonly reach out to plugin developers who, you know, have recently had a, a, a security exploit and we'll talk to them about which versions should be upgraded and which versions should not. He'll, you know, communicate with proprietary plugin developers where the update might not be on, on WordPress.org, but we still want to get the security update out. And then, of course, right, like we have communications into to the bigger ones, you know, sort of by default, right, Jetpack. Yoast, obviously, but also, you know, WooCommerce and, and some of this other space will have these conversations, you know, directly with them, you know, sort of on an ongoing basis. And we might have, 
you know, shared Slack channels or, or other forms that allow for real-time communication. And then, you know, other than that, you know, there's a degree of as needed, right? We, we have our teams communicate through the WordPress message board, their social media teams. They can connect people up with, with, you know, plugin developers up if needed. We have people communicating through the WordPress or excuse me, through the Reddit space and, you know, trying to, to be, you know, open to an approach, right? If somebody needs to, to communicate with us to resolve something with their plugin, we want to be available for that. Take me down. <laughs> you know, I'm going to, I'm going to pull on my, again, back in my, my days at the ISP, I remember going to our co-location. We had this co-location that we, we just literally rented like a small corner of AT&T's co-location. Sure. We'd bring ser- servers in and stuff. It's kind of laughable again these days. But I well, remember We did something similar, up- right? When we were a startup. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like it, that's an uh, IT closet. Well, it's a data center now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I remember launching the very first cPanel server at our company, probably one of the first cPanel servers when they first came onto the scene. And when we scaled, again, back then it was just, okay, this server's at capacity, bring in another server. What is the what does the technology look like? You know, stuff that you could talk about publicly. What does the technology look like these days to to scale WordPress? Do you spend time like thinking about buying more hardware and servers or is it more like hey let's let's optimize wordpress here at bluehost that runs on our infrastructure like do you take it on the software side first and then start to think about the infrastructure what does that look like when you talk about speed optimization and scale well so we keep a a cross-functional performance team that meets regularly at least weekly going and then a range from you know members of the wordpress core development team who actually work on you know, the writing the, the PHP code that gets deployed in say WordPress 6.5. It'll include, you know, members of our of our team that focus on hardware. And we're working on, you know, a new hardware SKU that takes advantage of, you know, newer technology that'll hopefully start showing up on our on our sign-up pages and the like over the next couple of months. But we also, you know, have team members who are completely focused on, you know, what would be, you know, what you could describe sort of, I guess, as as the lamp stack doesn't really apply as well as it did back in the day, but, you know, looking at, you know, the Linux, SQL, PHP, Apache kind of layers and, you know, going through and and optimizing that space. So we'll see, you know, we'll see, you know, hardware changes that are, you know, more of a yearly, a yearly update. And then we do extensive testing with, with, with vendor hardware from Dell and Supermicro and, and a number of others, they'll send us loaners and then we'll do speed testing with our own software stack on top of that to be able to try and optimize in, in various configurations. We'll do you know a, a continuous sort of review of the Apache and PHP config files and try and understand you know across millions of WordPress installs, tens of thousands of VPS and dedicated boxes, thousands of, of more of a traditional shared space, will be we will go through and and look at data in aggregate individual to a server cases where you know a server or a test site isn't performing as as well as the other thousands and cases where it is performing well well, well above the performance expectations of the other thousands and then we we evolve you know each of those cases but i think the key really comes back to to the it being cross functional right we're not doing this in isolation it's not just you know, the, the guys working on pl- the Bluehost plugin 
by themselves. And it's not just the guys working on hardware by themselves. It's not just the system administration groups working on optimizing you know, a LAMP style stack by themselves. We're all doing this together and using the same testing metrics so that we can you know, see what impact each of us is having on the stack. I worked at, this is just gonna be my life story for you. <laughs> sure. This whole podcast is funny. I worked at Pagely, WordPress hosting company for three and a half years. I was an account executive executive uh-huh. for them. And I was selling, we were primarily selling managed WordPress hosting hosted on AWS, right? And, you know, the question here is, and I'm sure this is like a shared pain point is the first word that comes to, to my mind, but uh, a shared mission probably across all your teams. Customer starts out at the basic level. I'm, I'm looking at bluehost.com right now. Well, bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Yep. Uh, if you sign up for 12 months, it's $2.95 a month. Like for most people are finding that money in the bottom of their couch cushions or underneath their car seat. And then that customer loads WooCommerce, Elementor, every plugin, right? They're building their site. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going at it. They're putting up thousands of, of, of T-shirts in their Woo. Yeah, they're putting all their stuff in there. And then they go, hey, Bluehost, it ain't running the way I want it to run, you know? And then you have to educate and then scale the person up and do it, you know, gently and and supportive and all this stuff. And I saw the same thing at the enterprise level, which Pagely generally sold into. They'd sign up for 500 bucks and then suddenly try to have, you know, 10,000 SKU store and say, hey, this isn't running right. And it's like, well, Here's the resources that you're using. This is the way WordPress is built. You need to talk to your developer. We need to optimize these things. Is that a sh- like? It's a big, broad question, but how is that a shared mission, if at all, inside Bluehost? Like, how do you say we have to nurture these people from the beginning and then scale them up to a dedicated server or a VPS or a cloud solution, and not just keep them on basic? Uh, so yeah, this is a common conversation for us too, right? We'll we'll talk to the. Um, support teams, we'll talk to our customer engagement teams, right? We're, we're always sort of talking about, you know, how do we, how do we help educate a customer? Because, you know, a, we're, we're seeing a lot of, uh, and we in fact want to help a lot of entry level, very little technology background individuals who are trying to, to live their dream, right? They're trying to create a, a business or a store or even just, you know, a hobby that is important to them. So, so trying to reduce, you know, the difficulty of, of onboarding is, is sort of been an ongoing mission. And so, you know, there's, there's a degree of like, of customer support. will have some of these conversations. We will go in and we actually, as our primary test site, we use a WooCommerce store that we actually do use the t-shirts and we'll have a thousand, you know, t-shirts in our test sites multiplied by colors, multiplied by the t-shirt sizes and the way that, you know, WooCommerce in particular works when you make a change to one of those SKUs, it has to rebuild the entire, you know, combination. And that, and that can be intensive. So what we've, we've been, we've been heavily focused on how do we optimize that space? So, because we don't necessarily want somebody to have to, you know, go looking for a VPS daddy, you know, high end solution just to be able to launch their, their own personal business one of our CEOs, his wife sold hair bows, fantastic hair bows. They, they, were, they were gorgeous. They just were bows that went into baby's hair. Very simple, right? But, but people loved them. And, you know, she wasn't going to, she wasn't necessarily going to 
you know, be the sole breadwinner winner necessarily, but she really enjoyed it. Her customers loved it. And, you know, it, she did a good amount of, of, of business, but she wasn't, you know, spending her time learning WordPress. She was spending her time making hair bars. So we, we spend, you know, we take that sort of to heart, even though that, that CEO has moved on years ago, we're trying to find a way to, we're continually trying to find a way to optimize for WooCommerce complex SKUs that happen to be, you know, large build outs. It, it shouldn't be strictly necessary to go hire a separate developer or to cut your, your merchandise list in half. It should be increasingly viable to do this with modern technology using something like Wondersuite to take care of the, the bulk of the, the work for you. Is e-commerce or WooCommerce the biggest elephant in the room when it comes to optimizing WordPress? Like, is that where you probably spend most of your, your brain cycles thinking about optimizing or is it, or is that not it? So not really. And the reason is because we use our, our, our prime, our test sites are primarily WooCommerce, right? So we did a we did a variety of 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 tests from a vanilla WordPress install to one with with our plugin installed to a a complex blog with all of our plugins installed to a WooCommerce store, and we compared all of these right. And the vanilla install that has zero plugins is obviously the fastest, right? If you didn't have if you don't have any content or plugins or functionality, then it goes great. So. We spent a lot of time comparing the, these approaches, and what we found, right, was we really don't need to optimize for the case where nobody's got any content. We want to optimize for the case where people have a lot of content because we want to be able to help people grow into that space. And then that left us, you know, comparing sort of a, a complex blog that, that did everything WordPress can do and had large images and small images and posts and pages and comments and everything, and then comparing that against a complex WooCommerce store. We actually found that, you know, the, 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 as the testing progressed, that, that their trend lines moved in sync. They might've been a little bit different. WooCommerce is a little bit more complex and running on top of a complex blog, essentially. So it's a little bit slower, not a lot, but a little. And when, but still you watch those speed trend lines, those performance indicators, and they just really move in sync as we make changes and do different things. So we made that the decision at that point to be able to say, well, let's use the store, the WooCommerce store as our primary test suite, because it's an indicator of everything else that, that you know, would be tested behind us. And, you know, it has a number of, of common plugins to, to WooCommerce. And then we, you know, have complexity around those SKUs. So I wouldn't say that we spend a lot of time thinking specifically about WooCommerce, right? We use it as a test that indicates how well we're doing everywhere. So every optimization we make already sort of takes WooCommerce into account as a core element of that metric. When the, I'm just gonna start, I'm gonna start to laugh before I ask this question, but when the product team came to you and they say, hey, we're building Wondersuite, it's gonna have AI and it's gonna do all these things and start doing all these like complex queries to layouts and helping users create content and pull in images and stuff like that. And they were super excited because most product people are. And then they come to somebody like you, who's more the realist in the room. They go, okay. Then you say, oh, but we're going to need more. We're going to need a bigger boat to steal a line from the Jaws movie. We're going to need a bigger boat to power this stuff. Was that a thing for you? Like, oh man, you're, you're bringing all these crazy features, but now we have to expand the, the footprint of the infrastructure a bit to kind of 
handle the, capa the extra capacity for something like Wondersuite on top of WordPress? Fortunately not, and I think I would credit that very strongly to the, to the cross-functional you know, the cross -functional performance team, right? They're already in the room. They're already, you know, sitting with us as we go through this, this type of work. And so, you know, the architecture was built such that, you know, the majority of that AI work doesn't have to take place on the same server that is providing your, you know, providing content to the rest of the world, right? The hosting servers will serve up your website, but the AI process Will, will happen on a separate environment. And, and really, so you know, sort of by designing the architecture in that way of isolating, hey, we, of isolating how we want the customer to be able to experience their website, right? We want an environment and a technology that's focused on that. And then we still want to be able to add this feature set, but they don't have to exist using the same CPU and RAM, right? They don't have to compete for resources. And I, I think that, you know, what really gave us the ability to do that was because we're, they, they weren't operating in isolation. They knew, you know, sort of the challenges that we were dealing with and what we were trying to optimize for and how we were trying to, to work on edge cases. And they were able to say, oh, so we're going to build it with, you know, this architectural segmentation. And we were able to say, yeah, great. What do you need? It ended up being relatively simple since we're already working together. All right, so let me just pull back again, once again, back into my early days. This is how I got into all of this stuff was I used to work at Circuit City and I used to sell ah. computers at Circuit City. <laughs> and one day, I remember a customer came in to Circuit City and they said, hey, give me the cheapest computer you have. Now, this is back. I'm talking like Pentium 1s and 2s. Pentium 3 was just on the horizon. Anyone who has no idea what I'm saying, you are very young. <laughs> you probably don't remember these CPUs. But anyway, the customer comes and says, give me the cheapest computer you have. I'm going to run this thing called Linux on it. And I was mm. like, what is this Linux? And back in the day, you could actually buy software off the shelf. And he went over and he grabbed a box of Linux, <laughs> which I think at the time was Mandrake Linux. Sounds And right. he checked out. Yeah, and he, and he checked out and he took his $300 computer. I was like, that guy is not going to do anything with that $300 computer in this operating system. And then I got into the world of it. Fast forward, that's what got me into like, into the IT space, building networks, again, for the local company and just like really enjoying open source. And that was my first foray into, into open source. Does the landscape, what does the landscape look like uh, inside Bluehost for that operating system? Is it, it's all Linux driven? Is it Windows driven these days? Is it like Ubuntu or Gentoo? <laughs> like, what, it's, what it's, is it, what's the pattern look like? Oh, yeah, it's right. still very much CentOS. And oh, we're, wow. we're transitioning towards Alma. But the, you know, across, if I were to, you know, take a step back and look at, you know, hosting in general and Newfold as a whole, got everything, right? There's, there's a lot of companies that have come together to, to sort of make this space. But predominantly, you know, we're building our own kernels, we're building our, our own Apache, we're building our own PHP, we're building most of the stack ourselves. So we're less concerned about the, the operating system that is necessarily involved and more concerned with, like that guy uh, running Mandrake, you know, how slim we can get each of these layers and still provide the, the experience we need. Because, you know, the thinner each one of these gets, the more performant it tends to be. So what we're looking for is, is modularity more than we're looking for, you know, even 
you know, hyper-modern operating systems, right? We're looking for reliability and modularity. What's the biggest bottleneck for WordPress in terms of performance? Is it the database layer or is it PHP and, and, and JavaScript? Is that bottleneck MySQL and the queries and, you know, I... I I haven't been in the space very long. You know, I haven't dug deep into the space infrastructure wise and like how WordPress impacts like server loads and network loads and all that stuff. But I know that there's a lot of people on the web that are talking about jam static and static websites and oh man, if you're using WordPress and you have all of these types of software, it's just it's just a slow experience. Go headless, they say, you know, and it's just like, well, WordPress still works and it still works on like 90% of the infrastructure out there. What is that bottleneck? And is there something that you're looking, that you look towards maybe WordPress optimizing in the future? Well, I think that it's, it's interesting that, that you talk about headless, right? Because you can get a headless experience with WordPress relatively simply. So if you, if you think about WordPress is doing a number of things in the background, right? It's, it's querying a plugin, it's reaching out to, to MySQL, it's comp- you know, working through PHP and constructing an HTML page. And then it's providing that HTML page to Apache, which delivers it to the end user. If you are able to say reliably that that page hasn't changed since the last time it was built, then you can cache it. And that's what caching plugins have been doing for you know, a decade and a half. But with, with more modern technologies, you can actually present that HTML page up into a CDN like Cloudflare and be able to say, this is static, keep it cached for X number of minutes. And now what you're really looking at is a static HTML page that is essentially a headless homepage sitting up at the uh, Cloudflare caching layer being presented to your, to your end users upon request. So I think that that's where, where, like, where some of this diverges, right? And that's where, where it's limiting some of the headless adoption because it's not unique to just building a static page and publishing it in, in a headless space. Other systems can already do that, including WordPress. Uh, and, and that I think is, is where you know, some of that difference really lies. Speaking to you know, the, the complexity of, of generating those pages, it can be very site dependent. The page that does a lot of, of complexity with, with plugins to, to be able to generate you know, various blocks or, or at page elements can be very diff. It can be much more complex than a page that uses, or a theme that uses, you know, multiple database entries to display a bunch of different comments alongside multiple blog entries. So it, it can be very site dependent, and so I, I think you end up having to to sort of optimize for each space. So, for example, you know, we we partner with Cloudflare to be able to publish, you know, the the static content, but we also, you know optimize MySQL to be able to, to get the queries out pretty quick. Then we add object caching at the PHP layer so that we don't necessarily have to do database lookups if that hasn't shifted. And we then add in you know, additional elements like static file caching if somebody isn't using Cloudflare for you know, images, videos, PDFs, you know, static content that doesn't shift. So it's, it's more about if, if I'm an individual WordPress developer, right, I'm responsible for one website, I'm responsible for, I don't know, whitehouse.gov, I'm going to be optimizing for that individual use case. And obviously, I encourage those developers to do that, regardless of, of where they're hosted or, or what they do. But at the same time, intrinsically, it's our responsibility at Bluehost to make sure that we're optimizing for each element under the assumption that different customers have different needs. Last few questions here. Do you interface with the 
core contributing team that Bluehost sponsors, like John DeRoges and and the rest of the, his colleagues that that work in contributing to core. WordPress. Yeah, yeah. John, I talk to fairly regularly. JD, he's on our he's on our performance committee, I guess, our performance working group, and and we'll talk to him pretty regularly. And then, you know, we'll have conversations around, you know, we'll pull him in as, as we look at, at different caching layers when we were working on object caching in the PHP layer, for example. And, and we'll have, have some of those conversations with him. But we'll also, you know, talk to him more broadly about, hey, you know, when are we thinking that WordPress will support PHP 8.3? Because we definitely don't want to be putting it, you know, as the default version for new customers if WordPress isn't ready yet. And we'll have conversations with them about, hey, we're noticing this bug when 6.4 came out, right? Many hosting companies were, were encountering a bug, an unexpected bug that we were seeing in a, in a number of places. And, you know, we were able to work with him directly on it and pulled him into our, our phone calls directly with our developers saying, here, our API calls have stopped functioning. And so, you know, we, we work with those guys a lot. In particular, JD tends to, to be the guy that we'll work with the most. Brilliant mind, just an incredible mind. And he understands how to work with, with the community and us extremely well. Like he, he's able to sort of adapt between different conversations better than, than most every developer I've seen. It's very impressive. He was uh, employee number one at my agency when I started it. So i I'll I'll take the credit for that. Yeah, it was all <laughs> you, man. It's all heck, you. Heck, he's a heck of a baseball player, or was, but you know now he's old and he has a kid. Yeah, just kidding. Just kidding, John. If you're listening to, <laughs> if you're listening to the podcast today, if if Bluehost ever does or Newfold does a softball league, internal softball league, scoop him up. Ah, uh, don't let <laughs> don't I let mean, him go to. We're globally distributed, right? That's that's yeah. a lot of people to get on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> if it does happen. Brent, this has been a fantastic uh, conversation. It's great to, to kind of learn how uh, you all are approaching the infrastructure and the performance and the impact of WordPress. Is there anything else that that you want to touch upon that you that you think your team or teams do really well for WordPress so the listeners know that you're paying attention to the quality and the output of the experience of WordPress and Bluehost? I just want to be transparent and say, right, there have been periods in Bluehost history where we have not been performant, where you have not lived up to our own standards. And I think that that has you know, pretty dramatically shifted over the past couple of years as we've really readjusted how we approach you know, customer success and you know, the overall experience. And I would, I would say that you know, people who had a bad experience with Bluehost in the past, I understand, right? I, I, came, I came through those days and it, it wasn't, you know, our best period. We're better now. And we've really put the work in to, to make that experience a lot more effective. And we're now seeing, you know, of course, you know, external validation of that, you know, with various other awards and, and tests proving that we've had success. So just speaking, you know, sort of as a capstone, right? Give us a try again. We've been working on it. We admit that we haven't been perfect. But we've really come back around and hopefully we've gotten to a point where, where people who had a bad experience in the past will have a great experience now. That's it for today's episode. Get the weekly newsletter at thewpminute.com slash subscribe. Want to support the show and join a Slack group filled with WordPress professionals like you? Talk about the news, share your WordPress business content, and network with others. 
Head to the WPMinute.com slash support and get access to our group. Support the show for as little as $5 or more if you feel we provided more value. Thanks to our pillar sponsors, Pressable, Bluehost, and Omnisend. Thanks to our Foundation Plus sponsors, WP World, Image SEO, and Hostinger. Thanks to all of our annual supporting members and you, the listener. Without your support, the WP Minute wouldn't be possible. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.